Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Listen Up Lev podcast. I, Salvatore, will be your host. And the uh, format for these podcasts will usually be a Q&A and chat with a teacher, a member of the community or a celebrity. Also, there will be opportunities for you, the students or teachers, to send in a question to ask our guests on the podcast. And stay tuned until the end to hear who our special celebrity guest for next episode is. Right then. Today, I'll be joined by our first ever guest, philosophy and now also politics teacher, Mr. Finn, for a little chat and interview. So, sir, how do you feel to be the first ever guest on the Leavenfort podcast? Uh, I feel like I've got an awful lot to live up to. Um, knowing what's coming in the next yeah. week or two, um, I'm feeling the pressure. No, it's good. It's good. Just settle in. And we've got a brilliant first guest, which is you before our next guest, which we'll be announcing at the end. So um, what sort of things apart from teaching, of course, have you been doing to occupy yourself during the lockdown? Not a lot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> eating a lot. <laughs> Haven't we all? Um, no, I, um, I ended up uh, treating myself and got a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. Oh, so, did you? <laughs> um, yeah, but I got it in one of those. Do you know where you get the packs when the game comes with it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, and, what game uh, did you get? The game that came with it was uh, Ring Fit Adventure, right? Which no one has ever heard of, and I hadn't either. Um, but it's actually surprisingly good fun. Um, so I've been pretty much just playing a fitness game on my Switch yeah, yeah. every yeah. afternoon, and it's actually decent which I wasn't sort of expecting. So, yeah, that's been what's yeah, occupied yeah, no, my it's, time. It's good to get, you know, active, keep yourself, you know, occupied during this, a lot going on. Um, but are you big into your gaming or is that just the first time? You've... Um, yeah, I've always kind of been um, a console player. Um, yeah. I've always been into Xbox. Um, and this is sort of the first time I've went down the Nintendo route. Nintendo, um, yeah. Like, I didn't have any Nintendo things at all whenever I was growing up. I was always into... Like, I had the PS1 and PS2 and then um, switched to Xbox. So I've pretty much been on Xbox since, like, I don't know, like 2008, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm a dedicated Xbox fanboy. <laughs> what, what, what's your favourite game that you used to play? Ooh. That's a tough decision, actually. <laughs> um, I think my favourite game that I've ever played is probably um, Batman Arkham Asylum maybe oh. if you've ever played it um, what a game it was, it was the game of the year whenever it came out and it was so good um, but they made I think four of them and yeah they did I think yeah. the first two were, the first two were really good and then they did a prequel that was awful and then they did Arkham Knight, which was like the trilogy ender. Um, and it was okay. But I think yeah. it was like the nostalgia of the first one. Yeah, of you course. Kind of, yeah. Like, you can't replicate when you've kind of like grown up with it. Yeah, yeah. Are you big into uh, superheroes, Marvel, DC? Yeah, I think yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit of a little bit of a nerd when it comes to comics and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's your favorite Marvel or DC? tough question DC. DC. it's like it's like the it's like the ronaldo versus messi debate do you know yep. the way people always say like who's the better player it um, is, i'm yeah. the person who sort of sits and goes oh yeah can we not just appreciate both of them 
Um, and I think it's the same with Marvel and DC. But if I had to choose, I think DC. Um, DC, yeah. No, they're both yeah, brilliant. I I'd say Marvel for me personally, but uh, yeah, I think, we, we'll appreciate both of them. <laughs> yeah, I think the Marvel movies are better. But oh yeah, I think, yeah. I think DC content-wise, like um, a lot of the old comic storylines and stuff like that are are quite decent if you get into them. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the the Avengers are definitely better than the Justice League. That film was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to wait because they've got the the Snyder cut is supposed to come out and like yes, so the trailer, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that it's better than the theatrical release. I hope um, so, yeah. Because I remember the, the, whenever the theatrical release came out in 2017, like at the time, I was definitely you know, on a deep dive into DC. And, um, like, I remember going to, like, back home in um, a place called the Odyssey, which is, like, sort of, like, a, a big arena kind of thing. They have yeah. a cinema with, like, you know, like, the VIP cinema. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So, um, like, we went to go see it, VIP, because it was, like, I was so hyped up for it. And then it was just awful. <laughs> So like we were sitting like halfway through it, and I was like, spent like so much money coming to see this, <laughs> you know, comfy chairs, like you know, free it was a refills. disappointment. Yeah, yeah, like the free refills was the best bit about going to see it. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> that's funny. And uh, you say back home? Do you mean Ireland? Yeah. So yeah. Um, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Depending on what way you look at it. Northern Ireland, yes, yes. So how long how long did you live in Northern Ireland for before coming over to England? Um how long was it? Uh twenty two years. Twenty years, yeah. 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 So I think yeah, because I, I was born in ninety six and then moved to England in twenty eighteen. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was year three in England. And um you went to Cambridge University, so could you tell us a bit about your time there? Yeah, so I, I did my postgrad there. So my undergrad, um, I did at Queen's in Belfast, and then um, my sort of teacher training I did in Cambridge. So um, moved over for that in 2018. Did that for obviously like a year for teacher training, um, during which time one of my placements was at Leavenworth. So. I ended up being in Leavenworth for my first placement, which was the September to December. And then by the end of that placement, I'd sort of got the, the job offer for Leavenworth. So then that was the kind of thing of finish out the year and then come back to Salbersworth. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And and you've been at Leavenworth for a year, is it now? Yeah, so I'm yet to complete a full year because of oh, COVID. Right. But, um, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I did, so... I had the full academic year last year and then this year was the start of my second year, but I haven't taught like a full calendar yeah, yet because part, of, yeah. because of being off last year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, um, well that you did answer my next question was about how did you end up in Leavenworth? So you had your placement, which was here. And, um, so you are a philosophy teacher. Um, that's your main subject. And, for somebody who's in year nine, who's thinking about taking philosophy for their GCSEs, what, what advice or what would you say to them? 
Um, I think you have to enjoy it. Um, I mean, whenever I was in school and I was doing my choices for GCSE, the advice that I was given was first do what you love, then do what you're good at. And after that point, there shouldn't be anything left. And I think anytime I'm trying to make a decision about something, I always kind of go back to that. So I would say if you enjoy it and it's something that you um, are enthusiastic about and you get a buzz out of, then definitely do it. Um, so I think it's more to do with enjoyment and passion than it is to do with, um, well, I suppose interest is kind of tied into passion in a way. But yeah. I think if you're enthusiastic about something and you're passionate about it, chances are you're more willing to put the effort into it. So if you love it, you're going to be more successful at it anyway. Yeah, that's good. Really good advice there. Um, should definitely take that on board. Uh, and um, what's your favourite part of the course at Leavenfort, the philosophy course that you teach? Oh, um, I do enjoy, um, I, I think year nine, I enjoy a lot the, the philosophy and ethics aspect of it. Um, because I think especially the year nine philosophy, you get to ask an awful lot of very big questions um, yeah. and so there's a lot of a lot of there's a lot of room for maneuverability um so you know like the question of does god exist yeah like, massive question whatever your opinions yeah whatever your opinions yeah. are on it, it it's a huge question to discuss and looking at all the different avenues i think is really interesting and then i think year 10 probably the crime and punishment module um um, I, I was tempted at a, at a time to do a master's in law. So um, I'm very much into sort of um, the justice system and yeah. criminology and, and sort of looking at that. So, yeah, I think getting to sort of dip the toes back into that again after a while is always good fun. Yeah, it, it does. I, I want to do um, law at university as well. So can't really? wait to, to get into that. Yeah. And also I've got a question for you. Why, why philosophy? Why did you pick philosophy to teach? Um, it's a bit of a weird one, actually. Um, it, it all kind of happened by accident, which is kind of strange. Um, but for my levels, I did um, RS, English Lit and History. So three very essay heavy subjects. Yeah. Um, but I had an RS teacher called Mr. Kurt, who was um, from South Africa and was quite possibly the coolest man I've ever met. Um, it was just like so funny and you know such a good teacher as well um and so i remember leaving school and going to uni and i did archaeology as my undergrad so again something did, yeah. completely different yeah so um it kind of combined rs and history in a way because it was kind of physical history but there was a lot of stuff like symbology in it um so that kind of tied together those two aspects but whenever i applied for Cambridge to do the teacher training. Um, I asked them about history and asked them about RS and asked like, because obviously you have to have a relevant degree. So I yeah. asked, so does archeology span in your books apply to either of these? So they came back and said, yeah, history, but not RS. So I was like, right, okay. So that kind of answers the question for me. So when I went to do teacher training, um, I ended up doing it in history. So that was my specialism. Um, but then whenever it came around to working at Leventhorpe, uh, Mr. White was like, do you want to teach RS? So I was like, yes, of course I do. Because that was kind of um, the intention from the get go was to somehow yeah. find a way of 
weaseling my way back in the RS. So it, it was quite handy that it happened sort of the first year in the door uh, rather than having to sort of wait a bit before diving back into it. But yeah, so it was kind of a, a bit of an accident and also a, a bit of inspiration from Mr. Court and making me want to do it. Yeah, and um, of course, teachers do have a, uh, a lasting impact on you and I'm sure you, you're taking some advice on teaching from him as well because you are a great teacher, may I say? Oh, because yeah, you are <laughs> no so because you are now um temporary politics teacher as well you've been doing a great job and um what's your favorite part of the course so far you've only been teaching for a few few months now yeah so um it, it was something that i i genuinely had very little beyond my own general knowledge um of an understanding about um so it was quite good fun to kind of get my teeth stuck into something new. Um, but I think the thing I've enjoyed the most is probably pressure groups. Um, yes. I think that's just a really interesting aspect of the course. I think especially when you look at, you know, political party memberships decreasing and uh, pressure group membership increasing. And even I think in the last 12 months, seeing like, you know, the, the BLM marches, seeing um the the campaigns for uh council and school exams for opening schools closing schools all those things that i think are really topical mm-hmm. um and tied in really nicely to that aspect of the course so i think that just kind of piqued my interest even more yeah no it's good you've been doing a really good job so far yeah and um so far <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you'll carry on i'm I was just saying so far it's been great <laughs> <laughs> um situations and, uh, of the exams being cancelled this year um i think it's it's an interesting one because i think everyone's just trying to sort of do what they think is right um yeah and try and make the very best out of what is a bad situation um and i think so obviously there's been some level of indecision and some level of you know, changing thoughts on what is the right way to to proceed from a, from a government level, but I think that um, you know, like I say, people are kind of just adapting to the situation as it changes and trying to make the best of of the situation at hand. So, I think from a from a school perspective, it's just a case of all of us, staff and students, being on board to try and make the best of what is a bad situation and make sure that even with changes to exams and changes to assessment that we're all doing our bit to make sure that our students are succeeding and reaching their fullest potential. Exactly. Yeah. The teachers are working very hard to, to help the students out in tough circumstances, yeah. but there is like students a... are working really hard as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, yeah, they are. I, I think that's something that maybe the media isn't discussing as well is just how difficult it is to work from home. Um, mm-hmm. Like I always find, especially like even going to uni, you know, that was, such a huge step moving from having access to your teachers every day to then having to work a lot more independently in university. And that was something that I kind of had to adapt to within my first year. So mm-hmm. I think in that sense, this is kind of going to benefit some people because it will prepare them for what uni's more um, That's true. Yeah. like in terms of working independently. But I think as well, it's a difficult thing to manage. And so I think students don't get enough credit for, the work that they do at home as well exactly and they should carry on with that good work as well because it will pay off definitely uh, but there is there is light at the end of the tunnel 
6.2 million plus vaccines are being given out in the UK. So should be, hopefully, it'll be a lot better by the summer and we can have a good summer. Celebrate. Okay, so um, on to TV shows. Have you been watching anything recently or what's your favourite thing to watch? Um, I have been. I've been watching a couple of series recently. I've kind of been um, flicking between uh, The Sopranos and Mindhunter. So um, I mentioned earlier that I quite like the law um, yeah. and the justice system. So there we have two series that are very much on opposite sides of the law. Um like yeah. Mindhunter is quite interesting because it's kind of um, set in the 70s and it's based around like early behavioral science um, in the FBI. So quite interested with that. Um, but yeah, generally I quite like a bit of anything, to be honest, but I like a bit of something with a bit of mystery or a bit of intrigue. Or yeah, it's good, yeah. I quite, I, quite, I quite enjoy stuff like that. Um, I don't mind things that are a little bit lighthearted as well. Quite, quite enjoy a bit of like Doctor Who and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Doctor Who's a good one. And the, the news is that Jodie Whittaker will probably be leaving by the end of this uh, next season or series. Um, yeah. Who do you think should be the next Doctor? Oh, it's tough. Um, like I was never a huge fan of Capaldi. Um, yeah. I kind of prefer the kind of younger, more geeky kind of character. Yeah, like, more, I liked Matt more Smith's More energetic. Doctor. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed Matt Smith's Doctor and, and David Tennant's Doctor. And I think Brilliant, yeah. The, the two kind of were, were quite similar um, in a lot of ways. I think David Tennant did the kind of... I think David Tennant brought across maybe the severity of what's going on in a lot of his episodes yeah. um, quite well, but did the comedy in a good way as well. But I think... Um, like Matt Smith did an episode where it was based around Vincent van Gogh. That was a good one, yeah. That's yeah, like that, my yeah. favourite episode of Doctor Who ever. Um, <laughs> that is a good one, like yeah. With, with, with Bill Nye in the um, yeah. Musée d'Orsay at the end. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those ones you can't help but get emotional about. Um, <laughs> but I don't know who'll be next. Um, I think, like you were saying, Richard Ayoade, I think yes, it'd be quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, Richard Iwadi, um he's quite geeky, the the gadget yeah, it's a gadget show, the gadget IT guy. Show? Oh, IT show, oh, yeah. He does, he does the gadget he did the gadget show as well, though. Gadget show, yeah. And um, he'd be good. And also I was saying about um maybe Idris Elba as well, or um oh, what's he called? Uh it'll come to my head in a minute, but Idris Elba as well would be a... Uh, yeah, uh, I think they'd be they'd be two very different versions. Um, I think because Idris Elba's often you know the serious kind of broody yeah. type. Um, so I think that would be quite interesting. I think Richard Ayoade could bring the whole um like real dry humor to it. Yeah. Um, which is which what Doctor Who good. is. They do have a lot of that as well. Yeah, yeah. like I really enjoyed Christopher Eccleston's because yeah. Um, like there wasn't a huge amount of comedy in it, but when there were like lighter moments, it, it like meant more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think like that could be something that really plays off well for Idris Elba. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows, he might be uh, double booked for Bond. He could be. That is an interesting one. So we've obviously had the delays. It was supposed to be uh, the new James Bond film was supposed to come out last year. And then it was delayed to November last year. 
and now mm-hmm. it's being delayed again. Um, until... probably saw what happened with uh, Nolan's Tenet and sort of yes. underperforming at box that... office and thought, no, we're not going to take the same risks. That could have been a really good film. It did have some high-profile people in it, but as James Bond, you know, you want as many people as you want. It's Daniel Craig's last outing, and we probably won't know the new Bond until... 2024 maybe who who it is they haven't made their decision yet but um candidates idris elba henry cavill Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. Um, he went for it before as well he did yeah yeah he auditioned for it at the same time as craig and with with superman he auditioned for it he auditioned for superman at the same time as brandon ruth and didn't get it and then they came back to him the second time so he auditioned the same time as craig um, didn't get it, so it could be maybe he has a habit of getting things maybe a second time second, round. Second time round, yeah. He would, I really think he'd be a good one. And also, yeah. um, I heard, did you hear the rumour about maybe Cillian Murphy as well? Could be. That would be an interesting one, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Henry Cavill did Man from Uncle, um, which was the, the Guy Ritchie movie with Army Hammer, which I think mm-hmm. he's very, very good in. Um Killing Murphy, I think, coming off the back of Peaky Blinders' success. And I think that's what a lot of people know him for. But exactly, yeah. Like if you look at his kind of catalogue, um, you know, like Inception, um, the, the Nolan Batman trilogy, he makes several appearances in. Um, and I think he's a phenomenal actor. He is. Yeah. Um, and I think he could be he could be a very good candidate for it. I think um my if I was to, if I was to put money on it, um, my bet is going on uh, Sam Hewn, who you may not have heard of. Um, I've heard the name a, talked about. Yeah, he's a Scottish actor, um, and he's in the the TV series Highlander. Um, oh right, yeah. But he, I think, what was it? The, the there was a movie like a year or two ago. I think it was called like, The Spy Who Dumped Me, and it was a uh, like a rom com. Right, um, and it was I can't even remember who was in it to be fair, but he was in it um, as as a sort of spy. As and like, there's yeah. one scene where it's like it's parody and Bond. You know, he's in the tux with the 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 sort of the, the handgun out, and you know, at a big sort of dinner gala, that kind of thing. And I remember seeing it and just sort of like instantly thinking like he, he could definitely play Bond. Yeah, he looks the part, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I remember he um he was in the news for a little bit, like whenever all the talk was going on about it being Idris Elba and who was gonna sort of carry on the mantle. Um yeah. and I remember seeing like there was this big headline of Sam Hewn's odds cut from like twenty to one to like three to one. And I was like, this is you know my uh, Cyan kind of pen off, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. We, we, we might see see me being proved right, but I don't know. Well, it'd be yeah, it'd be good. Um, obviously, they the actual character of James Bond does have Scottish heritage as well, so yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah, interesting. There was, yeah. the, there was the young Bond books, which um, Ian Fleming didn't write, but um, I can't even remember who wrote them, Charlie Carpenter or something like that. But um, I remember reading them whenever I was in school and. Um, like I never read the Ian Fleming ones when I was younger. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So it was that kind of thing of 
I think being younger and reading about a young Bond and that kind of like real immersiveness of like yeah, yeah. a teenage Bond kind of falling into that world that would eventually become, you know, the the double o, the double o seven that we all kind of knew and loved. Um, it was definitely uh, was definitely enjoyable. Yeah, like um, similar to Alex Ryder as well, not Bond, but it's quite a um, popular book as well. I remember reading all of those as well. I'm sure people listening as well probably still reading them as well. But um, yeah. yeah, anything, any spy books as well, they're really, really popular. Yeah, like Big I said, well. mystery and intrigue. Anything yeah. with a bit of mystery and intrigue, I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that as well, yeah. So you're a big football fan. Um, could you tell the listeners who you support? Uh, proudly, Manchester United. I say coming, proudly because they're top of the league. Yeah, they are coming off the back of a, of a FA Cup win against Liverpool as well. Yeah, I wouldn't have been saying proudly like six or eight weeks ago, but no, I can't. Well, I, I can't really talk because I'm an Arsenal fan, but what we can talk about is that both of our managers have won the Frank the Ole the Arteta race as Frank Lampard just got sacked today as well. So Yeah, Roman Abramovich is ruthless. He is. Um, like, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea released a statement saying like they fully back Lampard and they're going to keep faith in him. They um, did, yeah. It's gone straight back out the window again. Terrible. Um, but I saw um, Fabrizio Romano was reporting that uh, Thomas Tuchel is going to replace him. So yeah, I heard about um, that. Ex PSG and Dortmund manager. So it'll be interesting to see how he does coming in. He'll probably be there for a few, like one and a bit years, and get the sack again. He's quite ruthless, so Abramovich. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hopeful. I think like his his sort of experience in the Bundesliga might help him with the likes of Werner and Havertz who haven't kind of really That's a good point, sort of yeah. shown I think their full potential yet but um, I think like when you look at that Chelsea side as individuals they've got such a good team they and, do yeah you know, they're sitting what eighth um, in, in what is a very very tight league this year actually it is it is um, so I think you know it's maybe not not a fair reflection of of Lampard's tenure there, but I mean, he's. I think technically he's the he's the least successful permanent manager they've had. He's so won maybe, nothing. Maybe he wasn't, yeah, so maybe he hasn't been given enough time. Maybe, but you could also argue, you know, there is, um, there is in some ways a, a justification. Yeah, and it's also ironic that when um, he was talking about Andre Villabos at. Chelsea you were saying that he was too young and inexperienced and uh well look at Frank now so yeah yeah that's true um I think when you look at like the Aspoas and stuff um can't remember whether he was at Spurs first or Spurs after Spurs after uh, I think Spurs after yeah um and who was he at before was he in like Spain before I think he was he was yeah yeah, because he at least he had a little bit of experience beforehand, though. Like Frank Lampard had Derby, and you know, I, I maybe would have liked to have seen him stick around at Derby for a bit longer. I think um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would have given him an opportunity to kind of experiment a bit more before diving in the deep end. True, but you could say that Ole coming from from Norway it was it was uh, straight into the deep end first season. 
wasn't great, but they st- they did stick with him, and you're doing well now, top of the league. Yeah, I mean, Roy Keane did say um, on Sky Sports last year. Um, there was a game, I think it was United that got beat, um, and Roy King got asked, you know, is Ole the right man for the job? And he said, give him 12 months and see where he is. Um, and now, you know, a year later, he's kind of been proven right. But I think with United, I think it's 50% United playing better and 50% the league being so up and down. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, Liverpool have been on and off form, City have been on and off form. Um, you know, I think realistically, I think the league might come down to uh, you know the Spurs Liverpool game and the United City games. Um, I think that's maybe going to dictate who will who will see lifting it at the end of the year. Yeah, I think so. I think you can take uh, Spurs out of that. Don't don't ever put them in the equation. Mm, they're they're more in the equation than Arsenal at the minute. Uh, yeah, but experience, it comes down to experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the only, uh, I'm trying to think of, of aspects of Arsenal's team that I actually like. and um, yeah. Left back, Tierney. Yeah, Tierney. Tierney is, yeah. is pretty much it. Saka, um, Smith-Rowe, good talent. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Smith-Rowe has been really good since he's come yeah, in. Yeah, he has, um, yeah. Like, I think he had like three goal contributions in four games. Like that stint in the FA Cup as well, where he got the goal. Um, he look, yeah. he does look a decent player. I think the Arsenal are far better when they have a number ten plan. Yes, hundred percent. That's why we're signing um, Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid on loan. Yeah, should be announced that, soon. But yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to affect Emil Smith Rowe. Maybe he might play on the left, or he might swap yeah. in and out. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how they balance it because I suppose that's almost what Chelsea's problems been. Like Frank mm-hmm. Lampard spent two hundred million bring in players and then couldn't rotate the team uh, exactly and, yeah so it'll be interesting to see how Arteta deals with it you know where if yeah, you look at Ole like Luke Shaw playing awful um, you know for a good few years and now you sort of find a little bit of a vein of form straight after Alex Tellez comes in so you know I think there you have someone who's responded well to being sort of in competition for his place Exactly. Yeah. Others maybe won't respond in the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, so I saw I saw a statistic that um, talking goalkeeper wise, now that Emiliano Martinez is actually the percentage of shots saved and crosses caught. He's actually one of the best in Europe. I think he's the third best in Europe, best in the league as well. So that was a, a terrible decision from Arsenal to let let a fantastic goalkeeper go. Yeah, and my uh, fantasy league team is reaping the benefit of it. Yeah, I also have Martinez in goal, yeah. <laughs> He's so nice. good. He is. We should probably, do you know what we should do as a, uh, a one podcast one day if people are interested? It's probably a fantasy Premier League podcast just talking about who the highlighted players are. That would actually Make a be prediction, good, a prediction as well on who's, who, who's going to win the yeah. league at the places. I think um, I'd like to think that I'd be a good advisor for that, but I mean, the the Leventhorpe League of uh, there's a, a number of teachers in the league. I've managed to sneak into second, Have you? Um, but Mister Howard has like a sixty point lead on me, so <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a long way to go to claw that back. But um, 
you know, I'm 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 in it for the long haul. We've got you know 18 weeks left going into game yep. week 20. We I'm, do. I'm we sort do. of still in the cup, you know. So I've got I've got a lot to play for yet. Yeah, I'm out of the cup and sitting in 11th out of 14. So I'm terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Do you know why it is? It's because I had so many Arsenal. Well, I had three Arsenal players in there um, and that didn't help at the start of the season at all. See, loyalty needs to go out the window. I know. I know. It's a thing. The only Manchester United player I've used through this season has been Bruno Fernandes. Um, oh, he's, he's kind of come in and out. Um, but... He's been the only sort of consistent United representative in my team. He's been good, good throughout the season for a good few points, especially if you have him as captain or vice captain as well. Yeah, that's been my biggest problem actually, is just captaining the wrong players. Like I've lost so many points just through captaining the wrong player. Yes, captaining Fernandez one week and he scores two points. Same week De Bruyne scores twenty, and it's just uh... it's been a consistent problem. Um, one that Mr. Howard doesn't have. He seems to always sort of captain the right person. So I need to I need to reevaluate, think and reflect and start making the right decisions. Yeah, forward. yeah. So that's the end of our podcast. I'd like to say thank you to Mr. Finn for a great chat and interview today. And you'll be co-hosting the next podcast episode with me this week. Just before yes, we are I'm very uh, excited to be on the other side of the table. Yeah. It's a lot easier asking the questions, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, just before we announce our next guest, I'd just like to remind all Year 13 students that the UCAS application deadline is on the 29th of January, so good luck with that. And also the government have released consultations for Year 11 and Year 13 students to answer some questions about exams, so make sure you do that. Right, I'm very pleased to announce that our next guest will be former politician, author, speaker and television personality Edwina Curry. What a great guest. So join us next episode for a great interview with her. And there will be an opportunity for you to submit a question as well. So everybody stay safe and at home. And thank you for listening.